Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close, I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value payment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, so we got a special podcast for you here today. It's not often you have two Michaels, two Mikes. Two heavyweights. Two heavyweights in their own space. One, that's true. the great Michael Francis. The other, the great Mike Tyson. Yeah. But to start off, because we like building anticipation, we're going to start off with Michael Francis first, and then Mike is going to work his way in here in a minute. But, Michael, it's great to have you on the podcast. Good. I'm the opener today. Yeah. <laughs> You're the opener today. Always Mike, good to be back. Michael, how many times have we done stuff together at this point? I can't, a lot. Yeah, I, I can't uh, keep count. The other day, a guy was asking a question. He says, oh, you know, when, how, how did you and Michael get connected? I said, man, it was not supposed to even happen because I was running late from Jordan Belfort's house, and he was gracious enough to wait, and we went to his house. He was so pissed off he didn't even put <laughs> shoes on. It was in his socks. And it was the most commented thing about Michael Sock. Look at Michael's power play, not wearing any shoes. <laughs> I, I, I still hear about that. Still, people ask me, was Patrick disrespectful when he came to your house? He didn't take his shoes off. <laughs> but uh, it's exciting to have you on. Obviously, we got some things to talk about with you and Mike. Uh, a big project you guys are working on, Champions Corner. We'll get into that once yes. he gets here. I'm excited to uh, learn more about that. But, uh, Michael, a lot's been happening since the last time you and I spoke. Uh, now, on a live podcast, we've spoken, obviously, about different kind of issues. One of the things I want to just, with the time that we have here before we get uh, uh, Mike here, what are your thoughts about what happened with Tucker, what happened with Fox, you know, his next move, you know, Fox's mistake, is there stuff that we're not thinking about? What, what are some things you saw when that announcement was made? Well, I really think uh, Tucker was blindsided. I mean, we, you know, we chatted a little bit back and forth. They didn't know what was going to happen, but... You know, Patrick, it just seems today that you can't say anything that's going to offend anybody in any way. You know, the news is not what the news was before. I mean, everything is about opinions and who you're going to, you know, offend or not offend. And, you know, I I mean, I I think it was crazy, you know, to take a guy like that off the air. I mean, who had such a huge following. I mean, honestly, it doesn't affect him. He can go anywhere he wants, as you know. But I, I, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe, you know, on the whole what's going on, Pat. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Really. He, he, he's, a, he's a once in a generation type of a guy. Yeah. You've been around the block for, for a while. So you've watched. Who was it before Rush, by the way? Was there a Rush before Rush? Or I don't believe so. Okay. So let's just say Rush. Let's go Rush, O'Reilly, Beck, Megan, Tucker. When you look at all these names, especially on the conservative side, where do you rank Tucker amongst those five? Oh, my God. He's right up on top now. I mean, really. You put him ahead of Rush? Well, Rush Rush is like an institution. You know, he's been around so long. I mean, you know what? I was in jail when I first started hearing him. I didn't know who he was. But I started listening to him, and I started to realize, you know, I was always a Democrat. Mob guys are always Democrats. And the reason is because they were easier to corrupt. So, you know, <laughs> we were all with Democrats. Why are they so much easier to corrupt? They're they just, just were. Willing to take more money? They're, they're yeah, more... They, they just were. I they mean, have no I, backbone? What is it? I, you know, I can't explain it because we didn't get involved with Republicans. They were all Democrats in, in, in New York, and we got involved with them. But 
I'm in the hole and I'm listening to Rush Limbaugh and I'm saying, you know what? I think I'm a conservative because I agree with a lot of the things this guy is saying. And that's how I became, uh, that's when I realized I was conservative. It was from Rush. So Rush, so you, so you put Rush slightly ahead of Tucker. I think so because he was around so long, yeah. and he what he built is unbelievable, really. And his style was was what was rowdy. He would he would call everybody out. He was was he the intellectual guy as well as the history guy as well as the call out troll. You know, the showman, what made him special? What made Rush Rush? Honestly? Yeah. I mean, he was honest. You know, he whatever he said, he whatever he felt he said. And I thought he was brilliant. Very, very smart guy. Very well read. He knew exactly what he was talking about. He called it, what did he call himself? Like he was Einstein, you know, brain from God or something. But <laughs> but uh, just his, his whole style. I mean, he, uh, he was great. And, and, you know, Patrick, when somebody is so good for so long, you got to give him, you know, a lot of credit. He was great. He was uh, the guy that started all this. Back, back to the Tucker situation. Yeah. You know, we had that conversation, that sit-down, some may call it, last Thursday. Um, and some people were basically believed that Tucker was sort of fired as a byproduct of the Dominion lawsuit where they wanted a head. They wanted a scapegoat to see, all right, we got the money, but we also got this. How much do you think that was factored into, into Tucker's situation? I think that was part of it. But I heard, you know, he was, not that he intentionally did it, but in the way he spoke, he offended Murdoch in a big way. Some of the things that he said, you know, about some of the people there. I heard he gave a, a speech, you know, at a college a couple of days before. Heritage. Yeah, at Heritage. And uh, it was very offensive, according to... You know, the people at Fox. So it was a, a couple of things. And, you know, I think Fox thinks, hey, we let Megan go. We survived. We let Riley go. Riley, we survived. So I think maybe they thought, you know, they can survive again. I don't know how you replace Tucker. Michael, honestly. to, to, to kind of maybe use almost like a, a mafia analogy here, Murdoch's the boss. Yeah. That's, the, that's El Jefe. You know, to use a mafia analogy, like should, should a – flag carrier a, a, a talking head ever offend the boss like what's the you know if you can make some synergy into the, to this situation well on the street you don't do that <laughs> you just don't do that you know that's dangerous right but you know you're talking about corporate america it shouldn't be like that and and he didn't do this to offend the boss he just spoke what he felt to be true you know, I mean, I found him to be very honest. You, sp you spent time with Tucker? No, I have not. Oh, you haven't? Okay. He's very genuine, very, very honest, and he says what he feels, and I think he really cares. He really does, because we talked off camera about certain things, and he, uh, you know, didn't mean to be offensive. He just spoke his piece. That was it. What do you, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, if, if the guy is the guy at the top of the company you're at that you're paying Nine out of ten times you're going to have problems if you're going to do it that way. To me, the way to do it is to do it to his face, not behind. Like anytime I've had issues with the guy that I am working for, right? Mm -hmm. I've had bosses in my life. I always I had an issue with one time with this one uh, uh, lady I was working with. She was about to make a very bad decision, terrible decision. And it had to do with one of our friends you met him before, you know, who lived in France for seven years, who has a great accent, and you've spent a lot of time with him. He likes to walk around with no clothes on. He that, likes that to gentleman? walk around with no clothes on. So one day, <laughs> I get a word that he's about to lose a lot of money. 
And she was making a decision because from the top, it was kind of being influenced for her to do so. Everybody that was working with this lady was not supportive of the decision she was about to make. I call her up. I said, can I meet you guys at the house tonight at midnight? I go to the house at midnight. We have a two-hour conversation. I said, look, I'm going to give you my argument. I think you're making a terrible decision here, but I don't want to do it in front of everybody. I want to just kind of do it privately to you, and hopefully you'll receive it, and then you do what you do with it. So I did, and she ended up actually not doing what she was going to do to that guy, which I got a lot of respect for the fact that she didn't do it because she was reasonable enough to receive the argument. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think if you're going to do it, you know, I, I, I would go one-on-one. Now, at the same time, on the flip side, we don't know the whole story. The whole story could be Tucker's been trying to get there for a while and nobody's been listening to him, and he's the goat of the organization, and how do you not listen to your best guy? If an organization has a person like that, sometimes people talk. You don't have, like, if you ever read the book Principles, Ray Dalio, you know, people would come in and they would say, we should do this in the company, we should do that in the company. You don't do this, and you don't do that, and you don't do this. He says there's a lot of people that want to tell you how to run a company, and they haven't earned the moral authority to tell you how to run the company. But there are certain people that have earned the right to tell you, you know, feedback on blind spots the company may have. If there's anybody that had moral authority to give feedback to Fox, it was Tucker Carlson. So whether it was received or not, behind closed doors, it is what it is. Uh, The guy that did it right and had a lot of issues with the owner was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan and Steve, you know, Jerry Krause and Jerry, Jerry the two Jerrys, you know, he had issues with. He would always say, look, people come here to watch the players play. But we, we respect this and we respect that. And look what happened with Michael. Michael's a multi-billionaire today. Yeah. And so there's ways to handle it. I don't know the whole story uh, behind closed doors. But uh, if you're going to think you're going to find a once-in-a-generation type of a guy like Tucker, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. to find a guy like that. But here's the, here's the deal. In, in mainstream media, who, who would you consider as the Yankees when it comes on to politics? CNN. Who, who, you, you put CNN as Yankees over Fox? I mean, if you go to... Any airport, any mainstream outlet, they're going to have CNN on the I, I don't, TV. That's more uh, uh, affiliation, right? Gotcha. That's not. If you're talking numbers, I'm, if Fox. I'm talking yes. numbers, yes. you're going to put Fox, right? Yes. Okay, yes, who's sure. the most hated organization in Major League Baseball? The Yankees. Yankees. Who's the most hated uh, NFL organization? Cowboys. Cowboys. Who's the most hated in the NBA? You can go Lakers, on and on, right? Celtics. These are institutions yeah. you want to play for, and at times... Jim Buss made some stupid decisions at times. And remember when they had Steve Nash and Dwight yeah. Howard and all this? I don't know if you remember. That. Yeah, of course, the Lakers. Yeah, so, you know, are the Yankees going to come back and find somebody? They probably will. Uh, is, is the audience going to come back, the audience that they lost? We don't know. There's an audience that's 65-plus that's maybe not going to convert to YouTube, maybe not going to convert to Spotify. You don't know that. Uh, uh, those people are wanting to come home and just go like this. They don't want to come home and go on YouTube, Boom, stream to the computer, boom. They want to just be like, go to Fox, go to CNN. To that audience, that audience may be lost. To the audience that's going to convert and go find them like people like us, we're going to go find them no matter where the guy goes. But the 65-plus, I don't know if they want to take three steps to go listen to the person. I think they want one step. What are you saying the future of Fox looks like at this point? I mean, if they lost their MJ, if they lost their Kobe. They're going to find somebody. Listen, Michael said it best. He says no player is bigger than the NBA, and he was right. And let me ask you, you think, you know, Murdoch is at a point in time where, you know, economically he doesn't need anything. He's an older guy. Does he really care? So his audience dropped. Like you said, he figures out somebody will come. He'll replace it. This is the cycle. This is how it goes. Yeah, here's the only difference, though. This is the only thing where I think is problematic with this versus the NBA. Okay, so in the NBA, 
what changes? Styles change? You know, like defense, like Frank Volker was a defensive coach, let's just say. Dan Tony was a what? Offensive coach. We're going to score 138 points with you know, Nash, Kobe, and them. Okay. So, anyways, you kind of put these things where styles that play, right? But in, when it comes down to media, when Jerry Springer, who's a former mayor of Cincinnati, is doing his shows, the number one show on, in, uh, on TV, he says, I want to start talking about serious issues. His producer says, what are you talking about? That's not you, man. You're supposed to entertain. Yeah. I want to start talking about serious issues. So for a minute, they allowed him to talk about serious issues. You know what happened to his viewers? They disappeared. Yeah. Because his viewers don't want to talk about serious issues. They want to laugh. They want to be like, oh, my God, did you see that guy? There's no way this guy got, it's not his baby. They want to see that. They want to see drama, right? Okay. So Fox, with the two new sons, mm-hmm. the two sons, not new. They've been around for a minute. But the two sons. New owners, if they decide to change philosophically to go get an eyeball, they'll get destroyed. That's a completely different strategy. That's got nothing to do with Tucker Carlson. If you try to, you know, like look at Elon. Elon brings this girl, this girl from. Um, yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah. So the audience that was all Elon, all Twitter is now is like, wait a minute. I thought it wasn't about advertising. I thought it was about subscription. Why are you bringing somebody that was a leader, you know, that was sitting on the, you know, World Economic Forum. And she said this about BlackRock. And she said this about, you know, uh, uh, NBC, ESG Universal. and NBC and fake news isn't real. It's the younger audience that thinks it's fake because they consume podcasts. The real fake, the people that watch real media, they know it's not real fake news. I mean, you bring somebody like that, that's a philosophical hire that some people are confused with right now. How it ends up turning out, nobody knows. No one knows what's going to happen with Fox and Tucker. We're going to end alone within three years. Who made the right decision? Tucker wins, great. Fox wins, great. Everyone moves on. But it's going to take about two to three years. I also think we should, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the number one power player in media who runs Fox. It's not necessarily yeah. the Murdochs. It's Suzanne Scott, yeah. right? What do you think her role is in all this? I know you've studied her a little bit. Me, I'm not really familiar. No, Pat, I'm saying. Her role in what? In In everything. I mean, she's got to be a, she's at the seat of the board. She's the CEO of Fox News. She's not the I've never communicated with her. I don't know who she is. All I know is the people I've spoken to and what they've said about her. Um, She's, uh, you know, she's based on what I'm hearing. She's not the nicest person to work with. (laughs) And she's, uh, she's tough to work with. And, you know, sometimes how certain people, you know, don't get the eyeballs, but they think the organization is winning because of them. She's exactly the GM of, uh, uh, of the Chicago Bulls. Jerry, Jerry uh, Krause. That's her. She's Jerry Krause. That's the feeling you get because she has a Michael that she can't keep happy. Yeah. Okay, so people like that um, – Make it tough to, but at the same time, listen, when they, when they were. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of promotion, apparently they needed somebody to be uh, women to be in a position like that, and they chose to go with her. Some people told me said she's not as good of a leader. They just kind of did it as a publicity stunt because of all the Me Too movement stuff. There's so many different stories. Look, at the end of the day, if she's number one on media, there's a reason for it, right? This girl that was interviewing, uh, what do you call it, uh, Trump, uh, Caitlin. Um, Caitlin, <laughs> Caitlin Collins. Right, Caitlin Collins. Lover, hater, guess what? She got a couple billion views. For the rest of her life, those videos are going to be shown with her standing next to Trump, oh, yeah. a 31-year-old girl. You can say whatever you want to say about her. I'm not necessarily a fan of hers. But I think for her, that's going to stick around forever. Now, did he punk her? Yes. Did he troll her? Yes. Did the audience turn against her? Yes. Did Trump pretty much get everything he wanted out of this? Yes. But is a 31-year-old still sitting there debating with a president mm-hmm. and getting her you know, score to go up? Sure. She's seen that increased her value. That at least doubled what her what, what she's worth. Whether people, if she was making two million, now she's worth four. If she was making three, she's a sixer now. Because that's how mm-hmm. this thing works. How many eyeballs do you get? Right? No doubt. Do she, you agree? Yeah, totally agree. She's. Totally agree. We we talked about the winners and the losers from the the Trump uh, town hall, and we said that Trump was the big winner because he went into enemy territory yeah. and held his own and showed that he still has it. CNN, Chris Licht, you know, he's taking a lot of heat, but I think they were a big winner from there, basically showing that they yep. can they can host Trump. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, she was a massive winner from all this. She was not a household name prior to this. She was host the morning show. I think she actually, she worked for Tucker and for Fox at yeah. one point. And now we're talking about her. So and she's clearly the new superstar on CNN. And they just gave her Don Lemon's old time slot. So, oh, so was, she's on at 8 p.m. Now? That was announced that they were going to offer her the time slot immediately following the town hall there with Trump. There you go. I mean, yeah. but by the way, good for CNN. I actually think, I'm telling you, I think Chris Licht is is doing certain things right. I, I, I know he's not getting enough credit. I think there's certain things he's doing where he's shown signs of being a capitalist and actually doing his job instead of being a... You know, a uh, uh, just succumbing to whatever well, the whims of please, uh, ESG, yeah. all this stuff. I think there's certain things Chris is doing uh, right. Michael, I got a question for you. So, you know, how I mean, Mike's going to be here in a minute, so we'll maybe transition into this topic as well. In, in every space, there is uh, the, the power players that you see that you know of on TV, right? And then there's power players you don't see that the people you think are power players know who the real power player is, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like the movie American Gangster. Hey, it's this guy, it's that guy. Now it's really Frank Lucas, mm-hmm. right, is the real power player behind closer. Hey, you know, you look at, uh, it's really, the, now it's really this guy that's, you know, falling all this stuff from Colombia. Hey, in the mob world, it's really this. No, it's re- Was there ever a person that the street thought was the power player, but behind closed doors in the mob, the person that really held it all together that everybody feared was XYZ. Yeah. W- was that that person in your world? Yes. Who was that person? That was Chin Giganti. Chin was. Yes. Okay. Got it. Everybody thought it was uh, Tony Salerno who was the boss, uh, but it was really Chin. He was the power in all of New York at that time. And, and you think there are Chins in every space? I think so, yeah. 
I do. Absolutely. That we don't know about. That we don't know about. Yeah. You think there's a chin to Murdoch? Well, you know, that's kind of tough. I mean, who's going to tell him what to do? You know, I don't know about that, really. The older Murdoch. I'm talking, not yeah, the young, not, not the, the young not the, ones. No, I'm, yeah. You think there's a chin to Soros, or you think Soros is chin? I think Soros is chin. But he's, the difference with chin, chin didn't want anybody to know who he was. Soros is out there. I mean, what, what this guy does. No, I don't think there's anybody pulling the strings on him. I think he's the guy. Got it. So no one's pulling the So who is the chin of the right? God. Who's the Soros of the right? That's hard to say, Patrick. Really. Who do you think it is? Who's the, who's the chin of the right? I mean, Soros is out there. You know it. You, know, you see his impact yeah. that he's having on this country. I don't know. If you talk about from a financial standpoint, you could argue that the Koch brothers were there yeah, Koch brothers. before Sheldon Adelson passed away, possibly him. I mean, these guys were given multi-millions, if not billions of dollars. Now, this Here's is what, what uh, Musk said yeah. about Soros yesterday. He said, Soros reminds me of Magneto. Okay. And then uh, Brian responds back. Uh, if you can put show more, because he goes into it pretty, and then Elon responds back again. Mm-hmm. He says, fun fact, Magneto's experiences during the Holocaust as a survivor shaped his perspective as well as his depth and empathy. Soro, Soros, also a Holocaust survivor, gets attacked nonstop for his good intentions, which some Americans think are bad merely because they disagree with his political affiliation. And look at what Musk responds back with. You assume they are good intentions. They are not. He wants to erode the very fabric of civilization. Soros hates humanity. Anyways, they go back and forth on how he views uh, Soros. Yeah, I'd be curious to know who, who the current Soros is on the right. Yeah, but, you know, you see the impact of Soros. You know, I think it was 2010 when something happened to the Supreme Court. He didn't get a good decision. And he publicly stated, he said, it's going to be my mission to destroy America. He said it. He said it publicly. And you can see his influence all over the country. He is destroying America. He's taking a big part in that. I don't see that on the right. I don't see even the Koch brothers. Okay, financially they got. Mm-hmm. But what is their influence? What are they doing that you can see that's so influential? I don't see it. I don't see that on the right. But I think On the left you can see it. I think without a doubt, the chin, to use an example, is by far and away Donald Trump at this point. I and mean, he's pulling all the strings on the right. I'm not saying... Behind the scenes, I'm saying in front of the camera, MAGA, making the moves that... that no. You don't think that Donald Trump no. controls the right these days? No. You don't think so? No. No, because the, the DNA of a chin, is they're never on camera. Exactly. Oh, you're saying they're, behind the scenes. Who's I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I learned with At least chin. that's what I think. I, Patrick, I, when I was in the gas business, yeah. I had... Uh, you know, when you're making that kind of money on the street, everybody starts looking at you. And I had a little trouble with my boss, with Persico at the time. And it was kind of known. Nothing big, but it was, it was brewing, right? Well, the chin sends for me. I'd never met him, but he sends for me. And I go see him. We're walking on Houston Street, messed up hair, bathrobe, exactly like, you know, they portrayed him. And we're walking up and down. And he said, you know, I got all respect for your father. And somebody introduced me to him that that uh, spoke very well about me. And he said, I heard you're having some trouble with Persico. And Persico was a boss of the Columbos. I said, well, Chin, it's okay. He said, if you got a problem, is you come over here and you be a captain with me. Now I'm saying to myself, that's the boss of a family he's talking about. And I said, well, you know, it's Junior. He said, did you hear what I said? I said, anytime you want, you leave there 
you come over here, you're a captain in my family. Mm. And the way he said it to me, I said, that's when I realized this guy really is the power. No chin. doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think every industry has a chin. And I, say, I, I think the best chins don't want you to know who the chin is. The well, ultimate chin right now in the world is who? Who's the ultimate Klaus chin? Klaus Schwab, today? maybe? Uh, actually, if you think about the ultimate chin, and, and I know this is going to be, what are you talking about, the ultimate chin? Not the ultimate chin. He's not the ultimate chin I'm about, to, I'm about to talk about. But the ultimate way of being a chin today is uh, uh, the founder of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamura. Uh, Nobody has a clue who he is. No. But he's pulling the strings. You know, he's, 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 uh, it's, it's a DNA of somebody that you don't know what the, you know, he just kind of dances and things are getting done. He's the last phone call people make. Well, do you see that person on the right? I, I, I speculate a couple names, but I, I don't see somebody today. And I think, quite frankly, I think uh, that's not really good. I don't think it's really good because I think the right chin is also able to be a synergist and keep people together. Because you think about what Soros is doing. Soros is helping the left. I was going to say, I wish we had one on yeah, the right. I think Soros is uh, helping the left. Uh, I think you saw what happened with Musk yesterday with the story that came out. Did you see the story that came out with Musk yesterday? Right after he hires the NBC Universal per, uh, lady, uh, 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 Linda, I have a hard time saying her last name, Yakarino, Yakarino, Sarino, something like that. This report comes out. Uh, documents subpoenaed in Je uh, Jeffrey Epstein's lawsuit by U.S. Virgin Islands, J.P. Morgan Chase, et cetera, et cetera. Tesla, Alphabet, all these guys, they're... You know, the U.S. Virgin Islands has subpoenaed Tesla, CEO Obama documents on lawsuit on J.P. Morgan Chase, helping section. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein. See, see, to me now, this right here, this this is when you know you're not Chin. Musk is not Chin. No, they want to ignore all the names on the left that are associated with Epstein. Yeah, but now immediately they go after the Musk. Yeah, they 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 want to. I don't know, man. I, I, uh, it's those weird phone calls that you get, you know, the, the whole weird phone calls you get where they say, hey, um, uh, just so you know, I have XYZ on you, okay? I have this on you. Don't forget, we have access to your computer and we know what you watch. Mm -hmm. We know your search engine. We know what you look at on your phone. Remember, remember that one time your phone crashed? It wasn't that your phone crashed. We got into your phone. We've been monitoring everybody you've been texting with. Every, everybody you've been uh, DMing with, all the pictures you've sent, a couple Brett Favre type of texts you've sent, we have access to all your Brett Favre type of texts. You know, we have these videos, we have that. And then all of a sudden, you're like, what? Yes. Kind of like J. Edgar Hoover type of stuff. Yeah. When the mob, you guys went up to him and, hey, here's what we have on you with yeah. this cross-dresser. Um, I don't know. I, th I, think, um, uh, I think the left has a chin. I don't think the right has a chin. And if they do have a chin, we definitely don't know who that chin is. He's not a good one. Well, speaking of the left having a chin, a lot yeah. of people firmly, firmly, firmly believe that Barack Obama is running this country, right? A lot of people think that he's the do you disagree? shadow president right now. Do you disagree? Do you? I don't, I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind him maybe being in a decision room and Biden making a phone call to him versus Biden just kind of sleepwalking through these decisions. I don't know. Would you have a problem with Barack Obama being in the room, so to speak? Did you see the well, Dur Durham report yesterday? Yeah. Did you see who was in it? Tell me. You didn't see didn't the see report? It, no. You didn't see the, the, the... 
There's another Durham report that came out. Different direction this podcast about. (laughs) We were here about to talk about some friendly stuff, and you decide to take it this direction. Listen, this is what we do. Shame on you, Adam. We're supposed to talk about who's the greatest boxer of all time. We're supposed to talk about. He's on his way. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Michael, I think you were going to say something. Well, you, you see, what came out in the report that Obama knew what was he was briefed on everything that was going on yeah. in the whole Mueller investigation. He was briefed. He knew that Hillary Clinton sent that set it up. He knew everything and kept and lied about it. Well, you know what's new? They all lie, but I mean, he this lied. This is while about he was out of office. No, and no, Trump when he was, was in, in office. office. No, he was in office. Okay. Yes, he was in office. Let me tell you something, Obama. The disappointing thing for me about I met Obama on a beach in Hawaii. I didn't even know who he was. I had seen him at the Democratic the convention. He gave a brilliant crushed speech, it, yeah. crushed it, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I walked up to him. You know, we were talking on a beach. This was before you know he was thinking about being a candidate. Nice guy. I said, "Wow, I would have actually I couldn't vote because I was a felon, but I would have voted for him." That's how inspired I was by that speech. And I said, "You know what?" This guy has got a chance to really unite this country. A lot of divisiveness here. First black president, great. He was a total failure in that regard. He, he divided this country more than anybody up to that point, I believe. You know, I really do. And it, it was a total disappointment. And, and look, they're all dis- so many of them are dishonest. But uh, is he running the party? I don't know about that. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he still has influence. But I, I also know from what you hear and from what I was told that him and uh, Biden don't get along. He didn't like a, he didn't like Biden. Really? Yeah, he didn't like him. This is what I heard. And, and you know, there's a part of me that kind of, uh, uh, based on what Michael just said right now, is if you're if you're Obama, do you want uh, Biden to run again? I don't know. Let's just say you are running things. You want him to run again? Do you? You, you want somebody else to run. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Obama, even Obama, wouldn't want Biden in there. I mean, Patrick, this guy, let me ask you a question. In your wildest imagination, did you ever believe that this country could deteriorate so, so quickly in two years under anybody? I mean, in my opinion. Well, I mean, listen, the GOAT was Jimmy Carter, right? Yeah. And he eclipsed the GOAT. I never thought that was going to happen. I'm in America because of the GOAT, Jimmy Carter. You know, Jimmy Carter, what they did to Iran, Kissinger himself, it was a mess, right? You know, the whole economic hitman throwing a country, uh, it's people against its ruler, its leader, without there being a real reason the country had advanced the way it has for decades. Uh, More freedom for women, you know, they had a say, they had a voice. Marriage went from being eight years old, 13 years old, 15 years old. It was more becoming like, you know, uh, uh, and then boom, Carter comes and does what he does there. And then U.S. is in shambles, interest rates, you know, gas prices, oil. And then you thought nobody was going to do it worse than him. Then shows a guy named Joe, which, by the way, if you listen to Joe's talks 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you're like, this guy is funny. He's charming. He's charismatic. I actually like listening to the way he would speak in the 80s, 90s. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, uh, uh, I'm aware of all the speeches that he literally replicated or duplicated exact words that were said by this person or that person or this person from various countries, not even in the U.S. But you're like, this guy's actually saying you can represent, right, today, seeing what's going on with uh, weaponization, with the economy, with 
the way things are being handled. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. We're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, for you, are you more uh, uh, at a time like this, you're seeing DeSantis coming out with different things he's doing. Rumor has it he's about to announce that he's going to be He's going to be running in uh, announcing in the next, I don't know, week, two weeks, to, you know, three weeks. It's been said it's been a couple weeks for a minute. But let's just say uh, 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 in the first week of June or the last week of May, he'll announce. What are your thoughts right now? DeSantis Trump, where are you at with that? Has anything changed? Listen, here's what I say. And, you know, I got to people sometimes knock me because, you know, my whole thing, I talk about mob stuff and everything. Michael, don't get into politics. And what I try to tell people, this is not politics. These are issues that are affecting your life. The way politicians are dealing with it, they're creating these issues. But these are issues that are affecting, you know, our lives, our very lives. So I try to tell people, it's not politics. I'm interested in the future of this country, my kids, my grandchildren, your kids. This is issues that we need to talk about. So when, when you look at Biden in that regard, I, I just can't believe you know, the damage that he's done to this country and continues, you know, and, and look, if he was a good Democrat, hey, great. You know, he's doing the right thing. So getting back to Trump and DeSantis, I love DeSantis. I, I, I got to say, I love what he's doing. I love his boldness. I think all his moves were right. And when Trump was in office, I thought his policies were great. His policies I thought he didn't act presidential in so many ways, getting on Twitter and doing things. I really believe, Patrick, and forget the conspiracy theories about the, you know, the, the fraud and, the, and the, uh, the election. If he would have a year before all of this, he would have said, you know what? I'm not going to argue with Nancy Pelosi. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to stoop to that level. I'm worried about the people in this country. I'm going to continue to do the right thing for the country and, and get rid of all that other stuff that he did, all that pettiness, all that divisiveness. That's what killed him. I understand he's a New Yorker. He fights back. In his defense, I've never seen anybody get attacked like that. Mm -hmm. Every single day of his life, getting boom, boom. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, to his credit, he stood up to it. He didn't fold. And he didn't, he didn't go under the pressure. But the way he reacted, it, it was so divisive. And people have had enough. Even now, you know, the one thing about the, him on the CNN uh, deal, he acted more present. He tried to stay on the issues. I said, wow, maybe, maybe there's, you know, the, the light went off in his head. Maybe he's starting to realize, forget all this other nonsense. Tell people what they need to hear, what they want to hear. How are you going to fix what's wrong in this country? Because that's what people are starving to hear. Look, you know, they can say whatever they say. Uh, you know, I, I believe the southern border. I mean, look, you've got to be on drugs not to realize what's going on. He's bringing all these people in here. He's going to hope at some way he gives them a path to citizenship so they can vote or at least vote. And they want to be in power forever. That's it. That's it. That's the total plan. They're not humanitarians. They don't care about these people coming in. That's got to be the plan. And for people not to see that, I don't get it. I really don't, Patrick. So, you know, Trump DeSantis, okay, if Trump were back in office, his policies would be good. He would, I think he would do the right thing again. I really believe that he cares about this country. I mean, that's what I see in him. Aside from all the other clutter that's around him, he cares about this country. But I don't know if we can take that again. I don't know if we can take him in office again. So you would rather see DeSantis over Trump? You know, because I think DeSantis, his policies will be just as good. He'll do the right thing and maybe less stuff that we have to listen to. Unless the right... I mean, the left goes after him in the same way. I don't know. He doesn't have that kind of baggage, it seems. Mm -hmm. 
that he, that, that he can be attacked like Trump was. But <clears throat> I think Michael brings up a really good point uh, about maybe the difference between Trump and DeSantis. You know, a wise man once said, choose your enemies wisely. Oh, right? That would yeah. be a great book title. Yeah, it'd be a great book title <laughs> yeah. coming out soon. Um, and I think Trump's problem was, I think Michael's absolutely right. He was attacked viciously by the left. And some of it was warranted. Some of it was unwarranted. Some of it was Trump derangement syndrome. The problem with Trump is everyone was his enemy. Like, you know how they say, don't punch down, punch up, right? Mm -hmm. He would pick a fight with everybody. Like, no matter what, he would punch them 10 times harder. And 99% of the time, he should not even respond to some exactly. of these Twitter folks exactly. or just any just media outlet, anything. Just don't even give him the time of day. But he would, and he would engage in these little battles with people that were completely beneath him. Whereas DeSantis, uh, maybe he had a, a, a little preview of that book that, that might be coming out soon. Well, I love and his... he's choosing his enemies very wisely, whether it's Disney, whether it's the woke. Florida is where woke comes to die, whether it's the abortion issue. He's picking and choosing his battles. But I loved his one response when Trump was banging on him. And somebody said, what do you think about Trump banging on him? He says, I'm not a candidate. Right. That was it. Just perfect. Correct. Response. He's he, he's he's living to the fullest what we're talking about yeah. right now. He's like he knows that doesn't make sense at this point. No. to start engaging in a battle with Trump yet. At some point, he's going to probably have to step up to the podium to do that. If he, when he well, ho hopefully he'll do it intelligently and he won't get into the the real dirt the way Trump does. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's not good for anybody. It, it wears you out. It wears you. Was out. that your biggest problem with yeah. Trump? Not the policies. It was just the personality, and then going down that rabbit hole of of nonsensical stuff. I, I cannot believe some of the you know criticisms that people have about Trump, and I tell him, listen, you know, in a way, president, it is a personality contest. You want to see somebody that's charismatic and has mm -hmm. a personality, but it's really about his policies and how he deals with America. And I used to tell, it's not personal. I'm not going to have you know Trump go out with my daughter. I don't invite him over for dinner. But his policies were good for America, mm -hmm. you know. So w what else are you looking at? What do you care about? What he did in his personal life? I mean, yeah, you know. Now, I mean, you know, the, the CNN, you know, some of the the uh, criticism of him. Well, he's you know he's a sexual abuser and he's this he that. How could you have him on television? Well, he's running for president. What do you mean? You know, that's when you realize, is CNN really a news organization anymore? Because the people within CNN are knocking them. Meanwhile, they had the highest ratings they had in how long? Why wouldn't you put them on the air? You know who's calling Trump's <clears throat> camp right now? MSNBC. Saying, of hey, we, and then NBC from the top is saying, you guys better not do this. This is not worth it. Don't give them the eyeballs. MSNBC is like, shit, we need some ratings. <laughs> Bring Absolute, that guy here. Absolutely. We need some eyeballs as well. And then, and then, you know who's probably going to end up being last? It's going to be Fox. Fox is going to be end up being last on a town is hall. He's going to do a town hall with everybody. L look how he works. Look how he works. These are the things that you have to give credit to. Fox doesn't want to do a town hall. He says, no problem. Who's your number one enemy? CNN. I'm going to go do a town hall with them. Then MSNBC. Then you're going to call me and say, why are we not doing a town hall? Because all the Fox viewers are going to ask you, how come you're not doing sure. a town hall? Your fans, your viewers who pay you the money are going to force you to do a town hall, and it's going to be on my terms. So I'll be patient. In the next six months, you'll host a town hall for me, except it's going to be on my terms. This is the kind of stuff that you want a guy like that that's negotiating with Putin, with Xi, with Zelensky, with this, with that. You want, you want that. You don't want somebody that's going and saying, whose ice cream is better, Russia or China? You, know, you want somebody that's wanting to really figure out ways to use power plays.
the world you're in, one of the things uh, uh, when the first time you and I sat down, you had written a book. And uh, uh, make you an offer? I can't I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. First of all, it's, it's a, every businessman. I, we're not here to promote his book. Trust me, that's not the reason for why it's here. This is just a thing. I'm t- if, you're, if you run a business and you're running a company, just on the side, put the link below. Do yourself a favor. Go buy this book. We, I think after the when I we talked about it, we saw like 100,000 copies. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Put the link below. I'm telling you, if you're in business, go read this book. I think it's only 140 pages, 150 pages. If you go to the bottom, how many pages is it? It's the most use. It's the best use. 155 pages. Read. Do yourself a favor. In the business world, take all the stuff that you guys did illegally. The all the other stuff. Take the murder. Take that out. Mm-hmm. Man, it's you know. You know. There's a lot of the stuff that you 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 talk about in this book. Is stuff that you got to have if you're going to run for office. The gamesmanship that the enemy is going to use against you. The manipulation the opponent is going to use against you. How do you deal with that? How do you manage that? How do you work with that? How do you still go out there and get a deal? How do you negotiate? How do you not go in a room without any kind of leverage to negotiate and still find a leverage? How do you go in when you have all the leverage in the world and you can destroy the person and figure out a way to make them an ally? How do you? There's so many different things there to use. Um, I think that's the part that you can't teach somebody to do, and it seems like he's got a bit of it. So. If if he does get reelected, man, it's going to be well. America's going to lose their minds if he gets reelected. Well, Patrick, let's let's get to something that's to me the most serious issue that we're facing right now. This whole investigation with him and his family, with with Biden's Biden family. and Hunter Biden. Yes. Yeah. Let, let me tell you something. I had eighteen LLCs, Panamanian companies. Eighteen of them. All of none of them had a business. It was just a company that I needed to open up a bank account. That was it. Okay, we were washing money, shell companies. Okay, I am telling you, this is a racketeering indictment waiting to happen. There's no question about it. There's no, there's no function to any one of these companies. He's funneling money through different, the same way I did it, 100%, exactly the way I did it. And with me, I'm just taking money from the government, all right? I'm stealing tax money. Okay, I went to jail for that. But this guy is influence peddling. There's, what else could it be, Patrick? When people open their eyes and just look at it, what else can it be? Reporters have the nerve to say, well, we can't track any money that went directly to Biden. So what? So what did it didn't go to him? It went to his family. Even if he didn't get a penny, it went to his family. He did it for, to, to benefit the Biden family. This is, and then, you know, I'm saying it too, and people have brought this out. You know, we got a Chinese balloon flying over the country, taking all these surveillance, you know, classified information that we have. This guy's backing down every which way. I mean, this is dangerous stuff for America. Yeah, you know what's going to happen, Michael? This is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to protect him 100%. until he is no longer needed then he will be a useful idiot, and then they'll destroy him. And they'll all turn on him. And they'll all tell the stories about how bad he was and what he... They'll, they'll, they'll do to him what they did to Andrew Cuomo. That's how quickly they'll flip on the guy once they cannot mm-hmm. use him anymore. Because right now, you know, they don't want him to run. And he's being... Pun- St- Stephanie Rule is her name? Is that her name? Stephanie she asked Rule, the question. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, America doesn't want you to run. In other words, like um, there's no Fortune 500 company right now that's trying to recruit a CEO... That's 82 years old. That's going to be 86 at the end of their terms. What makes you think you're qualified to do this? Experience. Uh, this. That, watch right. me. Yeah, watch me. So, <laughs> but, the, but the point is Democrats don't want this guy. Right. So if he goes against Democrats and he still runs, 
the moment they're able to get rid of him, whatever way they do, they're going to turn on him like this in no time. He's not Bill Clinton. They'll turn on him in no time. And they'll, they'll then share the stories of, yeah, well, you know, all these investigations, nobody knew. And then all of a sudden the truth came out and it was, you know, somebody like this. And, you know, same thing they did to Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo was supposed to be the next president at one point. Yeah. Everybody in America is like, yeah, he looks more presidential than Donald Trump does. Look at the way he does his meetings every day in New York. And the next thing you know, um, no, he doesn't want to negotiate and work with us. Throw him under the bus. Let's replace him very quickly. Like this had happened. But Patrick, how far has America sunk when you have a president that uh, that basically might have sold out the country and people are protecting him from that? The news media is protecting him from that. You know, where do you draw the line and say, wait a second, you know, I live here. I have kids here. This is my home. This guy is selling secrets to the foreign government, you know, or influence peddling. When do you draw the line? Has, has America, look, you look at every major, major power, you know, throughout history. Why were they destroyed? Immorality, finances, and the military going to hell. And, and things are happening like that in this country. You know, with these great powers, they always, they always crumble from within first, you know, and I just can't understand. Look, I was a mob guy, okay? I was on the street. I don't know guys on the street that would do what this guy is doing and what the left is doing. I don't get it. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? Is it all? I say, well, you know, I get it. It's all about money and power. They want to stay in power. Okay, but you want to destroy the country while you're staying in power? What power are you going to have at that point? I don't know. I mean, I, I, in my lifetime, I never thought I'd ever see a situation like we have right now. Look, the FBI, I always knew they were corrupt. But what you're seeing now, we saw in the Mueller report, you know, how they went along with all of this, how they instigated it, how they covered things up. I always knew that. But people would say, oh, you, you, you guys are criminals on the street. Okay. All right. So they, they pushed the envelope with us. Okay. You know, maybe you can justify it, even though I say this. Whenever you give the government power and allow them to break the law in order to get the lawbreakers, it's going to turn on you at some day. And that's exactly what's happening. Okay, exactly what's happening. But to, I never thought I would see it deteriorate to this degree. I mean, we're in a lot of trouble. I'm a very optimistic guy. My wife gets crazy with me. God, don't worry about it. No problem. We'll fix it. Everything's okay. I'm pessimistic about the direction of America. I don't know if we can be fixed at this point. Other than the really border, Michael, what do you think the biggest issues are facing the country right now? If, if, if what you're saying is true, that you've never seen the country like this, and Biden's doing the worst job you've ever seen, the border, clearly a mess, right? Title totally 42 mess. just uh, expired as a... Yeah. What else would you put in the, in the top of the list these days? Listen, I, I don't think this is a racist country. I think they're trying to divide us in a way that I've never seen before. This is not a racist country. Not at all. You know, not at all. Huge problem. The divisiveness in the country. And, you know, it starts from the top and it trickles down. And that's all you hear. This inclusiveness. <laughs> Listen, you want the best people in office. You don't want to pe people in office because they're a different race or religion or creed or background. You want the best people there to do the job, you know. And now, I mean, because of inclusiveness, the, they're trying to make, you know, America look like the League of Nations. Okay, we agree with that. You can, you can, Patrick, you know this. You can succeed in this country no matter what. All right, maybe some people have a little, you know, they, they came up the different way. They didn't have the advantages. They didn't have, you know, uh, the advantages that some other people have. But you can still overcome that in America. 
this is a great country, great country. But what they're doing here, it, it, and it's all about money and power. They want to stay in power. That's why I think, I can't think of any other reason why he has opened up the southern border like this. When they try to give them the ability to vote, what are they going to tell them? Hey, you vote for Republicans, they're sending you out of here. you got to stay with us. That's it. If Texas turns blue, you'll never see another Republican in office. Never. If Texas turns blue, you'll yeah. never see another Republican no. in office. You got Florida. I mean, you got New York. You got Texas. You got California. Yeah, from an electoral college standpoint, it's going to be very hard to win if you don't have Texas. And that's what they're trying to do. And they keep saying, you keep seeing a slow drip where... You know, they keep saying this is the year that that Texas is turning blue. This is the year that Texas is turning blue. But I still, I, th I still think there's a five point margin of victory. But it's, it used to be, double digits. And uh, you, I think you're absolutely right. You lose Texas, then you never know what will happen in these elections. I, I want to tell you this. You know, go. On, I know we're jumping around, but if this were anybody at this table or anybody else that were doing what Hunter Biden did, we would have been in jail a long time ago. It would have been over, done. The evidence is there. It's like a, you know, it's like the, the Republican said the other day, I'm giving you this case on a, you know, on a silver platter. It's all here. You don't have to do anything. We did it for you. They still don't want to touch it. This is bad stuff. But, but so, you know, so you know what that does, though? Uh, remember this scene where, uh, uh, because you'd be in jail, you know which line I'm talking about, because you'd be in jail, you know. Trump and Hillary It's so saying. great that a man like you is not in the office because, you know, because you'd be in jail. Okay. So a lot of people were thinking when he does get elected, that's going to happen. Hillary's going to be held accountable. Didn't happen. And, and, and he didn't drain the swamp. That's a bit of a criticism mm -hmm. that he gets from some of the people that actually supported the guy. But, you know, the next person that gets elected, one of the things is, hey, we're going to go in. We're actually going to drain the swamp. We're going to find out who's behind this, and we're going to investigate it. Okay? So then there's going to come a moment where that person's close, and everyone knows that guy's going to be a president, and he's going to get a phone call. And he's going to say, you, as a sitting president, cannot undermine the previous president, especially investigate him. It's going to be a very bad look for you to get reelected. Then they're gonna somehow, some way create other yeah. boogeyman in you know, and so forget about the real investigation and then four years gonna go by and then never happen. So what are the chances that FBI will eventually investigate these guys? They never seem to hold anybody accountable on the left. I mean, nobody falls down for anything. I mean, look, Hillary Clinton smashes her computer. <laughs> I mean, look. I can't tell you, you know, I've had experience with this. You know, I had records missing and they wanted to hang me for it, you know, if they could have. You're smashing up your, 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 your phones, your computers that have, you know, information on there that can be harmful to you. Nothing happens. I mean, the extent Maybe she was pissed at Bill Clinton. Maybe Bill Clinton sent a text and, you know, and Bill, Bill did something in that computer. You know, what's her excuse going to be for destroying the computer? I mean, actually think about it, right? Yeah. Can you imagine the average person is like, so why'd you shatter the computer? You know what? It fell out of my hands, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, why else could it be? I was just upset at Bill because Bill did this. The, the average person is going to sit there and say, what were you hiding in that thing? Okay, and should the American people know or no? Who knows? Anyways, that's why we bring our uh, political analyst, the great Mike Tyson, <laughs> in the house. 
<laughs> How you doing? There's a gang in here, Mike. How are you, buddy? Good? army in this place. Mike, you look great. Come on in. Sir. Adam, you want to pull up your chair? Yes, sir. After you, Mr. Tyson. <laughs> How are you? Good seeing you. Mike, if you feel like knocking anybody out, the guy in the green shirt, which we would all love to see. We're, we're allies. I don't have to worry. You're safe. <laughs> You're safe. So, how was cardio? Excuse me. It was, you know, this and this. Yeah? It's good? Yeah. Great. So, we, we, we've been... We've been talking about a lot of different things, but uh, you know the 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 idea of you you guys teaming up to do something sounds very exciting. You know the the project you guys have going on is exciting to see. Uh, it's called what Champions Corner. Champions yes, Corner. yes, yes. Y- you want to kind of tell the audience a little bit about it? Well, pretty much it's going to be about um, as you know people that experience life like me and Mike, and we're talk about pretty much mentorships and what mentorship meant to us. And what it, when it and, and what it's going to mean to our future, without mentorship, pretty much you you're going to be finished. You're not going to be of any kind of use without without mentorship. Me myself, um, if I describe myself, I would describe myself as just the worst of the worst, just at the bottom of the bat. Um, had no idea, had no intentions of having a healthy, good future. And then I met this old Italian man named Custia Amato. And he changed my whole way of thinking. And if it, wasn't for him, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. He made me believe that I was the greatest ever lived. Mike, who else was it outside of him? Did you have a couple men like that in your life that played a big role? Hey, nobody plays a bigger role than him. Wow. Like no. the differentiator, it's not even close. No, not even fuck. Wow. Oh, please, close. Don't even, they're not in the same race. Wow. He's, on the, he's just on the field by himself. One of, my, one of my favorite things we talked about last time was about your relationship with Cuss. And, you know, the, the two of you, the reason why I'm excited about this project you guys have is because the background to go from there, you know, and to experience what you've experienced in your life, both of you. Both of you are also in New York, so, yes. you know, it doesn't get rougher than the streets you guys came up to be where you are today. Mike, how important of a role does a, a man, uh, a strong man play in a boy's life when he's trying to find himself? Well, um, you know, you have to think about what perception of a strong man. He could be a strong man in a criminalist perspective, in an illegal perspective. And that could be the strongest um, identity that he sees. And so he can go off in that level of crime as well. But it's all about, um, and when I say that, even these people in crime, they're great men. I won't say they're all good men, but they're great men. And so um, if we could really concentrate on doing the best we can from our perspective of being a good man and transform that into other children, other young boys, that will be a start. Michael, you're seeing right now messages on YouTube go viral where it's grown men like Jordan Peterson talk about what it is to be a man or even Andrew Tate's talking to young boys. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a, you know, in in every industry, there's a sect of that industry does very well. Like, hey, in books, Young nonfiction is doing really well right now. Really? Youth nonfiction? Yes, kids want to know more. Okay, interesting. You know, in the denomination of religion, hey, the LDS church is growing at this pace right now. Really? Why? What are they doing? Hey, when it comes down to content being created right now, young boys want to learn from a man with experience. Maybe they didn't have a father figure growing up. Why do you think that content is resonating the way it is with young boys? 
because of the fact that you know there's a there's an effort to demean what a real man is today in mm. life. I see it that way, anyhow. You know, and when people look up to a guy that presents himself like a man, then it's attractive to them. You know, look, one of the reasons, Patrick, I, I go into prisons, I talk to these young gangbangers, you know, and they'll say to me, come on, Michael, you had the great cars, you had the women, you know, you, you wore the right clothing. To them, that's what a man looks like. Mm. So they want the image of a man, you know, a manhood. But, you know, the problem is a lot of people today think that when you're telling a man how to be a man, that it's demeaning to a woman. Mm. They've, they've made that a part of, of uh, society now. Well, if you're telling this guy to be a man, that means he's going to demean women. And I said, no, a real man is going to benefit women. Women are going to benefit by that because he's going to treat her the right way. You know, he's going to bring up his kids properly. He's going to, you know, he's going to be in the community, do the right thing. That's what a man is. It's not, you know, being a macho guy or anything like that. Of course, you got to defend yourself. A man protects his women, of course. But, you know, there's just the, the idea of a man has been changed today. It really has. And, and that's what we, uh, we want to teach guys. Oh, look, a man can be sensitive. A man can have emotion. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know how many times, look, I went to with the most powerful guys you want to see. I see them crying at a funeral. Mm. They go to a, a, a show and they, they got tears in their eyes on an opera show. I've seen that. There's nothing wrong with that, showing emotion. You know, it, it, you know, and I think these young guys today are really looking for that. Yeah. You know, and they look. They look at somebody like Mike who, let me tell you something. You know, the way he came up, and to be where he is today, it's, it's a miracle. It really is. You know, under the odds that he had to face in that way. You know, mine is different. I didn't go through the, some of the things that he went. It was different for me. But, uh, you know, the fact that I'm here, you know this, Patrick. I should be dead or in prison a long time ago. I've just been very fortunate, you know. So we want to use these experiences to try to help people. And, and, and that's what this is all about. And, uh, and we're going to do it. I fully agree with what Michael's saying is that there's just such a need for leadership uh, for young men these days. I guess my question is, it's not a zero-sum game. Like for, for, forever we've heard that it's the patriarchy and this is, this is basically has given rise to modern-day feminism. And then you see things like the future is female. Where it's like, what does that, if the future is female, what does that mean for men, right? And then you see things like the feminism and the boss babe movement and everything with that. It's men and women can both win, right? I think women want a strong man in their life and men want a, you know, what's the famous phrase behind every great man, there's a strong woman. So how can men and women win in today's society? What do you guys think? Well, listen, that's going to be pretty difficult because when you watch television, you see it could be black, people could be white, it's confrontation between man and woman. That's all you see on television. That's what you see on Housewives show. That's just what you see. You see this on um, Kevin Samuels show. You see this on sometimes, what's the other guy? Andrew Tate. It's just yeah. confrontation. Mm -hmm. Confrontation sells. And we're not going to stop this confrontation. This is going to become an error. So we can continue to make money off of people's pain. So whether it's Republicans or Democrats, whether it's blacks and whites, whether it's no. men and women, it's just going to constantly be doubling down on this uh, against each other. If you want to see the future of a country, look at his advertisement. What does it advertise? <laughs> Damn. You know what that makes me think of, right? So, so true. About how we're, we're the he only says, country. You just yeah. so true. Sit there and you, you just made two profound comments in the last minute. What, what about, you know, how 
United States and I think New Zealand are the only countries that Big Pharma is allowed to advertise yeah. on. So when you see the opioid yeah. uh, endemic that's going on right now, I think Mike Tyson makes up a great point. It's that if you want to see the future of a country, look at the advertising. Yep. How many people are on Mick drugs? families now. Look at the mixed family before. Where like, oh, taboo is to make a black or Italian, a black, mm -hmm. Asian, Spanish. That was taboo, you think. But now it's promoting this is what it's going to be. Because if you see the influx of different, um, I'm not going to... Immigrants. Immigrants yeah. coming in the country. And they're showing you this is what it's going to look at. And they're preparing us. They put it in the televisions, our movies, you know, and that's what we're preparing for. Because people know, the society knows that run the place. Um, Americans, black, white, Asian, they don't take kindly to um, immigrants. Mm. We just don't. I don't know why. Because when the Irish was here, like in the 1800s, and when the Irish came, they were called real Americans, but when the Irish came from Ireland, they crushed them. Mm. They made them the enemy. How could you do that? That means if I came from Africa, they made these guys the enemy. So they could take advantage of them and rob them. So they made these guys, you know, not to have any feelings. Somewhat like slaves, yeah. What, that's human nature. What other advertisements do you see on TV that are shocking to you? Like, that's a profound statement you said. If you want to see a future for a country, look at the advertising. What else do you see on TV? That well, some things I'd rather not talk about. Okay. You know, that, um, I, you know, it's just interesting. You know, um, it's just what it is, I guess. Mike, your, your kids, they go to private or public? I have one kid that goes to public heritage here, and I have one that's online school. He was on, yeah, he was yeah online. Yes, home what, what's your thoughts in uh, public versus private? In um, public school, you get the um, diversity. You get everything coming at you: the good, the bad, the bullies, the tough guys, the geeks. It's all just coming at you, and you have a um, you have an opportunity to choose what you're going to do. In a private school. Boom, everybody's in the same line. Every day is the same way. No one, nobody, nobody gets off the fence. We all stay on the fence in um, private school. And in public school, you're on the fence. You get off the fence and you make mistakes. You know, most of the private schools, they prevent them the best way possible. We're going to make mistakes, but the best way possible, they prevent them from making mistakes and being discouraged. Who, who, would, who would Mike Tyson have been if he went to private school? Mike Tyson? Yeah, who who would he have been if he would gone to private school? I don't know. Not what I am now. Not what you are now. Yeah, it wasn't meant for me. I would. I probably would. Uh, I probably would have been a snob if I went to pub, uh, private. You think school. so? You think that would have been the case? Uh, I got a little bit of that stuff in me. <laughs> 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 I think he brings up really. I think he brings up an amazing point because I went to public school K through 10. In my last couple of years, I, I got a scholarship, a sports scholarship, to go to private school. But I think it was the public school mentality, the bullies that they, don't hang out with that guy, watch your yes. back over here, that really shapes you who you are. Exactly. So I know that you're a huge advocate for private school, but you're a public school kid, 1.8 GPA. What obviously there's so many benefits going to private school. The network, the status, the travel, education, mostly, travel. everything with that. What are the concerns you have with private school, though, when you hear someone like Mike Tyson say, yeah, it wouldn't make me the man I am today? I've never gone to private. I've gone to public, right? So to me, when you go to public, you see everything. You see mm -hmm. gangs, drugs, cocaine, pot, you know, the nerds, the athletes, the, you know, these guys, those guys, the valedictorian. 
you see it all. There's an advantage to it as well. But my concern is I'm 44 today, so I went to school. What, today, like, your birthday? No, no, I'm 44 oh, years oh. old. But I, uh, Could you imagine? I, your birthday's next month, right? June, June 23rd? 30th, 30th, June 30th. 30th, yeah. So I'm a October 18th baby, uh-huh. 1978. So Scorpio, what was that? I'm a Libra. Libra, Libra. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, you're a Cancer, right? Yes. Yeah. I, cancers are beasts. So, <laughs> um, so 1996 is when I graduated. This was the whole Tupac, you know, the, uh, the only, like, the devastating day for me was that day. We're in L.A., I'm going to Glendale High School. But when I was going to high school versus what I'm seeing today, it's not the same. Like my, my high school today, a bunch of people from Glendale Unified School District have messaged me. They've, they've created an Instagram account of what's going on right now in GUSD, okay, how they're letting uh, boys go into girls' bathroom and all this other stuff. It, it's not the public school we went to. There was none of that when yeah, I went well, to public I went school. to the girls' bathroom. I got suspended. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> I got suspended. Now you're being, now you're being congratulated. <laughs> Which, by the way, should you be suspended? I think so. You yeah, should. because listen, I wasn't going in for no, uh, no, sex, no sexual gratification. I was too young. I was going in there to fight the girl. What? She hit me in the face or something and ran in the bathroom. Yeah, Mike said when he was when he was younger, girls bullied him, not guys. Yeah, kicked my ass, bit me at all. Oh, shit. It's because they liked you, Mike. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> But, so, but but your kids being in private school today. Well, I mean, again, for me, like if I'm if I'm going to go on Champions Corner and I want to, you know what I want to learn? I want to learn from their mistakes, their wisdom, their parents. Now they have, they have the ability to go from teens to twenties to thirties to forties to fifties. There's different desires and temptations yes. and things that you go through in every age. I want to learn from. And by the way, how many people? Like if you look at Mike Tyson's life, okay. How many people's combined life experience equals Mike Tyson's life? Hey, no, but listen. Oh, man. I'm just like you. You don't think I'm scared of those public schools for my kids because I experienced that stuff? You don't think I, you think I want somebody to do some lie ass in my kid's face? No, but um, if they didn't have that opportunity, I would want them to be in public school. You know, if we were struggling for the money, to, no, we want them to go and experience that. You have to experience. I wanted my kids to experience where I lived at. I wanted to take them to Brownsville, Brooklyn, let mm-hmm. them eat pizza. You know, let them go to the ghetto. Let them, this guy is your father. I let them know that little kid, right there, that's your father. And wow, I, and you did that? Oh, absolutely. What was the reaction when they saw it? Scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to get involved. So my, it was a apartment, it was pretty condemned, but with a hole in the... In the um, <laughs> The door. I said, I'm going to peep in there. He said, no, I'm not peeping in there. <laughs> now he's letting them, look at this, man. It's just um, a concrete jungle, a concrete jungle. And these guys are, um, wow, these guys are animals disguised as human beings. And that's just what it 